near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or, for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. Uh, somebody was asking me recently a little bit about the book, and I haven't mentioned it a lot recently. So let me just, for those of you who are new to the program, just give you a quick rundown. It's basically taking little bits of near-death experiences, uh, a paragraph here and a sentence there, to get a feel for what the other side might be like. It's not suggesting this is how it is, but rather, according to near-death experiences, this happened to this person, this happened to this person, and in the aggregate you get this big view of what it might be like on the other side. Um, in the spirit world, the kinds of things that we see, the kinds of things that we do, the kind of work that we do, uh, things like that. So I wanted to uh, update that just a little bit. And when you do buy the book, it does support the podcast. Um, I have two comments, questions, really, uh, from listeners that I'd like to share today. And I share these first, usually I share them at the end, but today I share these because they lead into the experience I'm going to share. Uh, the first one I'm just going to make a few comments on, and then the second one will lead into the full discussion that we're going to have today. First off, this is Mark. He says, Hi Chaz, I started your book last week and have listened to most of the podcasts. A couple of thoughts. Not that I want to discourage people from attending their places of worship, but not once have I noticed that part of a person's life review or their own judgment has church attendance been a criterion for anything, nor does it seem to have mattered to God. What seems to be the most important is John thirteen thirty four. In other words, did we love one another? Now, if church attendance led a person to become more loving, that's good. But neither the life review nor God seem to be hung up on church attendance. Another observation, church sacraments. There is no mention of them by any NDEers. My take would be that they are not important unless it aids in a person's faith and in, or enhances one's ability to give or express love. In the end, it seems to me that we are on earth uh, or that we on earth have overcomplicated everything 
godly and spiritual, and that the Beatles were right. All you need is love. And he puts a smiley face. To me, this is only simple and right. Your thoughts, Mark. Okay, thank you, Mark. What a great comment. And I have noticed that. In fact, when I started uh, studying near-death experiences, it was one of the things that, I don't want to say it took me off guard, but uh, I kind of expected there to be more of religious-based experiences and in terms of particular religions and so forth, but I didn't see that. Now, uh, personally, because I consider myself both deeply religious and deeply spiritual, it's hard for me personally to separate an experience with God from a religious experience. If, if you ask um, me about a, a religious experience you had, I'm likely to tell you about a spiritual experience you have because the two are so intermingled. And, and for many people, that's the case. That said, of course, when you look at, you know, the question of, you know, which particular faith did I attend, or which um, particular type of baptism did I have, I don't see that uh, coming up in, uh, in near-death experiences. I have heard of, you, you mentioned church sacraments, um, in my faith, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I have heard of people having experiences that um, relate to temple worship, um, which, you know, I'm not going to go into detail about what that is, but I have come across experiences where those who have been through uh, the sacraments, if you will, uh, that take place in the temple, experiencing either something akin to them or um, having them somehow validated by their experience on the other side. But I'm not sure that's a fair comparison to what exactly you're talking about, um, because church sacraments being, you know, rigid, uh, dogmatic uh, practices or rituals and so forth, and that's that's not exactly what this was talking about or these uh, various experiences we're talking about that I've come across. But I do want to uh, validate that point that you make that that your particular religion and and judgment, uh, you know, being the the judgment of God that so many fear, you know, being cast to hell because of, you know, being a sinner and so forth. I've not seen any of that to be the case. So so you make such a great point in bringing that up. Thank you, Mark. Okay, the next uh, one that I want to uh, share, this is from Suzanne, and this is a very cool and interesting uh, comment and question that uh, we, could, we could have several podcasts in response to this. Uh, but let me go ahead and read this. Suzanne says... I truly enjoy listening to your podcast. I am currently binge listening to all of your podcasts and can't get enough of them. I want to thank you for your insights and or thoughts after you read or play the experiences. I just love hearing your input on things. I was born with a profound hearing loss. When I was a little girl, my mom told me that when I go to heaven because of my hearing loss, 
that I will hear sounds that I've never heard before, and sounds that people with normal hearing will not hear in heaven. From listening to your podcast, it sounds like we will hear, see, smell things that are beyond our imagination. Have you read or have you heard from anyone who are completely deaf or completely blind who had a near-death experience and got to hear or see once they were in the other realm? If so, how did they react after coming back into their bodies still being deaf or blind? Was it hard to come back and accept that disability? I look forward to your reply, and may God bless you. Thank you so much, Suzanne. What a fantastic question, and there's so many ways we could approach this. Let me just first address it directly, and then I'll share uh, some quotes and, and samples from near-death experiences uh, to, to give it some depth. First off, yes, uh, those who are either deaf or blind, there are many near-death experiences where uh, those who are deaf or blind go to the other side and they see and hear remarkable things. And, and yes, coming back is hard for them because that extra gift is gone. But lest you think of it as, you know, oh, how difficult to be, to, you know, have that gift given and then have it taken again, um, don't think that that's unique to the deaf, blind, and others, you know, those who walk, run, or whatever. Honestly, it's the experience of just about everyone who goes to the other side, simply because the senses that they have on the other side, such as being able to hear and see others' thoughts and feelings, the ability to fly, the ability to to interact with with living things that are not human, such as animals and and uh, plants and so forth. Um, there's so many senses that are overwhelmingly delicious, if you will, to those on the other side that when they come back, they feel like they have been stripped down to the bare minimal uh, senses that they have, including the weight of their bodies and the inability to easily drift about effortlessly, that, you know, just coming back in general from a near-death experience is extremely challenging. And in fact, it's, it's often the most painful part of death is coming back, almost always, in fact, from what I read in near-death experiences. Dying is, can be painful a little bit. Um, most of the time, it's just a moment of of, you know, not even necessarily a a moment of pain most of the time, a a bit of a moment of panic, and then it's over, and then the experience happens, and it's in coming back that they go through all the trauma and pain and so forth. Not that I would discourage anybody from coming back. We need you to come and tell us your story. So, you know, don't take that as, you know, don't let it frighten you from returning. If you're returning, it's because you have a reason to be here. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out, that yes, that that is the case, that it is hard for them to come back. However, that's the case for everybody because of the incredible, overwhelming um, experiences that they have on the other side, the, the incredible sight and vision that they have. In fact, sight and vision 
or sorry, the, their vision and hearing that is so prominent here on earth kind of takes a back burner to the, uh, to the other senses that they experience on the other side, which are so much more uh, broad and expansive. And I find it particularly interesting that you asked this question or brought up this uh, subject right now because the uh, experience that I had in line to read was by someone who was deaf, who was, uh, was deaf from about 18 months old until her experience uh, when she was 18 years old. And, um, and she's obviously still deaf when she returns. Uh, let me go ahead and read that experience, and then we'll read some more uh, uh, samples of other experiences afterward. Uh, again, this is Missy from Enderf.org, and Missy says, In the late summer of 1994, at the age of 18, I was involved in a bad car accident where it left me with a head injury and a term of lost memory. It took me a whole year to finally gain most of my memory back. To be truthful... There are some things I still don't remember. I was told that some would come back later at a later time on its own. The most recent that came back and remembering one thing was several months ago. On the top of my head in the on the left side, there's a Y shape where it was stitched in total of 53 stitches. And I went through what you call a near-death experience. It took me a long time before I finally felt ready to open, to be open and more comfortable to talk or share about it. When I experienced the near-death experience uh, was when I was when I first saw a small white fluffy spot in the distance as it grew bigger and closer like some tunnel, but it was white and bright. The feeling during the near-death experience is remarkable, and it's hard to describe. I only could tell in words, but it's not how it is to be felt while on earth. The true feeling was amazing, where you don't feel any pain, anxiety, worry, suffering, or any type of worst feelings that you experienced out, of your lifetime, out in your lifetime. It was peaceful, joy, no pain and the best feelings you could even imagine. The best feelings ever. As the tunnel grew bigger and closer, and I saw a small child in the distance as the child was walking toward me, I recognized the child, and her name was Tina. Tina is a sister of mine who passed away years ago in a fire in our home at the age of five on the day of 21st of December, 1977. Of course, it is impossible to remember her because I was only a year old when she passed away, but I have always seen pictures of her and would never forget how beautiful she was and even how she looks a lot like me when I was a very young age. As Tina was approaching me and starting to talk, the funny thing is that she signed to me the whole time. I was in awe because she never knew American Sign Language, and she died before I became deaf at the age of 18 months, old due to spinal meningitis. It is amazing how they really do know how to communicate when they never knew any other language while living on Earth. 
As the conversation went on, she told me it was not my time and that I needed to return to Earth to our family. At first, I wasn't sure why she said it, and I felt that I didn't want to leave her. She repeatedly said that it was not my time that I needed to go back. I asked her, why is it that I need to go back, and why is it that I see her? As her face glowed with the most beautiful smile, she told me I was involved in a bad car accident and that I was severely hurt. She pointed down as I turned my head back to look down. I saw myself lying on the bed at the hospital in the emergency room. It was shocking seeing my face was full of blood and my flesh was asleep, struggling to stay alive. I could see several doctors and nurses working on me to keep me alive. I turned my head back facing Tina and told her, No, I don't want to go back. I want to go with you. Tina, with her gentle smile, said that I will, one of these days, return back, and those good things are about to happen in my life where I will have a good life. When she told me to tell our parents that she is okay, is happy for them, to stop blaming themselves for her death, and to our mother not to feel bad because she was not able to keep her promise, and it was not her fault. The promise that our mother made to Tina was that she will always be safe, and that our mother would not allow anything bad to happen to Tina. She told me to tell them that she loves them dearly, and not to be sad anymore. She told me to take care of my parents, and that she loves everyone in the family. The time was running out, and it was and it was starting to fade away. We told each other that we loved each other, and told each other bye, as she started walking back to where she first came from, and then it fades away. Here I come back to where I was, lying in the bed. I woke up screaming in a horrible pain, as there was some confusion, not knowing what had happened. At the time, my fiancé was asking or was asked to come in the room to where I was uh, at the doctors and nurses did, did not understand what I was saying. I was saying, where was my sister? I wanted to know where she went. My fiancé thought I was asking for my other sister, Tammy, my elder sister, and she said she's on her way. I went to sleep as I was drugged. When my sister Tammy arrived, my, my fiancé woke me up and told me that my sister was here. I reached out for her, then I didn't recognize Tammy and said, That's not my little sister, the little girl. Tammy saw what I said. She burst into tears and knew whom I was talking about. Tammy had told me that everything will be okay and that our dad is on his way. A few minutes later, our dad arrived and the first thing I told him was that she is okay, is happy, not to be sad and that it wasn't any of his fault. Our dad stood there and looked at Tammy. Tammy had told him what she had suspected, what had happened. Then our dad burst into tears, cried for a whole half an hour, and comforted me. That is the end of Missy's account. Very interesting and, and beautiful experience. Unfortunately, she doesn't mention 
sound, whether she heard sound and it was just drowned out by the uh, extent of the other senses or whether she just didn't hear sound, I'm not sure. Now, I will say, too, many people in their experiences, even who have all five senses on earth, uh, sometimes have um, one of those senses um, not be a part of their near-death experience. Many say, you know, there was no seeing anything, but I felt this, and I heard this, and I sensed this, and, and there were people near, and I could sense them near, and so forth, but they don't see anything. Others describe there being no sound, but there being beautiful, you know, visions of light, and so forth. But I gather from those experiences that they are transitional experiences, meaning that um, they've not fully integrated into the other side yet, and so there are still senses that are um, held back, or it's also possible that they are being held back in order to prevent the person from being too attached to the other side. And I do, again, I don't know here whether uh, Missy heard sound or not. Uh, with all the light and other things taking place, it's very possible she wouldn't have, that she didn't, I don't know, wouldn't have recognized what sound was if she heard it. Maybe that's not fair to say, but that's another possibility. Anyway, let me share another one, another uh, piece of an experience with you um, that that much more clearly answers the question, do deaf people hear on the other side? Okay, this is f from August. Uh, the, this is, uh, the name on it is August, who shares this on endurf.org. My parents were religious and attending church weekly. I had a deep and abiding faith in God and drew my strength and light from this belief when all else failed. This faith strengthened, however, when the following account, not an imagined but a real experience, occurred. It was not merely an experience that resulted because the brain was going through a breakdown process in death, just as one is aware of the difference between the dream state and the awake state, one is aware of the difference between the dream state and the near-death experience state. It was painful to write this down, since the memory of it is and continues to be so vivid. At the time that I related the near-death experience to my mother and godmother, they dismissed it as being merely a dream. Accounts of near-death experiences were not widely published at the time. As a child, I was never exposed to near-death experience accounts. In October 1978, I laid down feeling lightheaded. My heart had stopped. Suddenly, I felt myself being pulled very swiftly through total blackness to the entrance of a churning tunnel, its walls reflecting the neon blue color that my non-corporeal body was emitting. I still had all the faculties and feelings. The feeling that I had was that the ties that bound me to the earth world were cut. A low, steady drone sound filling or filled the narrow passageway, the sound coming not from the walls, but from me. As a profoundly deaf individual, hearing this sound was beautiful, since it brought comfort as would a mother's voice for a child. 
Strangely enough, although I had no limbs and was flying as would a hummingbird, I was not frightened. I was merely a shimmering light. In reminiscing, because I was in another dimension, it would logically follow that I could not be in the same form. It was as if I had shed the cumbrance or the cumbersome earthly body and was in the natural free form that was not human. As I continued instinctively through the churning tunnel that moved in all directions, up, down, and side to side, the droning sound from my wings in the matter in the manner of a hummingbird being the only sound, a bright shimmering light at the end of the churning tunnel increase or increasingly drowned out the blackness of the tunnel, as well as the neon blue light that the walls were reflecting back to me. Upon seeing the light, or the energy gestalt, which stirred instinctual feelings in me that I would be at a loss to describe with words, shimmering light beings of deceased family members and friends suddenly appeared on the side of the churning passageway to enthusiastically greet me. Their abundant personalities overflowed in their glowing neon blue and white transparent faces. Communication was by telepathy. Disembodied voices greeted me, stirring my emotions as I was hearing, as I was hearing, as would a normal hearing person. And I began to see clear floating bubbles in the walls of the dark tunnel that was becoming increasingly bright as I came closer to the shimmering white light at the end of the passageway. The floating bubbles that moved within the wall of the tunnel were in the fashion of three-dimensional windows or virtual reality screens and were snapshot moments of my life. Even in death, I did not lose my memories and feelings. Upon seeing the shimmering light that is indescribably beautiful, I had a revelation. The light is not, in the strictest sense, God, in the traditional meaning of the bubble uh, of the Bibles of various religions, including Christianity. This light, which is an energy gestalt, is an aggregation of many multitudes of immortal souls from all walks of life. For example, plants, mammals, fish, and is collectively a life force. Okay, and that experience does go on for a while. Um, so I'm going to skip to another experience in order to answer the other part of that question about the blind. Now, in uh, item number 13 or episode 13 of this uh, podcast, if you go back in the archives, all you have to do is go to neardeathexperiencepodcast.org and then go you know, as many pages back as you need to to get to episode 13, which was the first episode that I shared after talking about the 12 kind of basic essentials of the near-death experience, and then just started sharing experiences. This is the first one that I shared um, of itself, and that was one by the person we're going to talk about right now, a woman who was born blind, and then in her near-death experience, she sees 
and is profoundly affected by it. But I found a uh, almost three-minute uh, sample of her sharing her experience, so I would like to go ahead and play that for you right now. This is Vicki Noritak. I've been blind since birth. I've never seen anything, lights or shadows. Even in my dreams at night, it's all just taste, touch, sound and smell. At age 22, I was in a serious car accident involving a drunk driver. I suffered a skull fracture, a broken back and neck. Yet it was then that I saw for the first time. It was as if my body was floating. I knew I was looking down on the scene of the accident or what I realised was the crumpled van. Having never seen anything before, it was quite frightening and strange. I was then looking down on what I realised was a body in a hospital. I recognised my wedding ring and my long hair. I thought, is that my body down there? Am I dead or what? They kept saying, It's no good. We can't bring her back. I tried to get their attention and say that I'm fine, but it was pointless. Feeling detached from the situation, I thought, I can't get these people to listen to me. And as soon as I did, I seemed to go up through the ceiling as if it were nothing. The feeling was wonderful, to be out of there and free. I saw the streets below, other buildings, the whole city. I didn't have a physical body. I was made of light. I knew where I was going. I heard what sounded like beautiful wind chimes, beyond what I can describe, every possible tone. I was pulled up into this kind of tube or tunnel, head first towards a pinpoint of light, and the chimes turned into choirs and music. It was songs praising God, and I felt no fear. I found myself lying on grass in a place of tremendous light, light you could feel as well as see. There were trees, flowers and vast numbers of people. They were made of light, and all this light conveyed love. Love was everywhere, from the trees, the grass, the birds, love. I was even welcomed by my old schoolmates, who had died years before as children. They had been blind like me and severely disabled, but in this place they were shining bright and healthy, in their prime. And my grandmother, who had died two years previously, it was also as if this was the place where all knowledge belonged, all the answers to everything. Next to me was a figure of much greater light than anything I had seen. I knew immediately it was Jesus. I was so close to him and he hugged me. Well, more like enveloped me. It's the only word I can use to describe it. His eyes permeated every part of me. It was like you couldn't lie about anything. He saw it all, and even so, I wanted to reveal everything to him. I so wanted to stay there with him, but he told me it wasn't my time to be there, and that I had to go back, that there was more to learn and teach about loving and forgiving. He showed me my life from birth, and I became aware of the repercussions of my decisions and actions. With that, I landed heavily into my body again and felt the pain surge through me. Vicky, can you hear me? Now, Vicky's experience has always been a favorite of near-death experience researchers simply because of what level of veridical experience it was. 
since the brain is not going to be able to just randomly come up with the idea of sight and what things and people look like um, if you've never had the experience of seeing. So it's very interesting. But the point is, is that yes, people who do not hear or do not see in this life will be able to do so in the next. Same with those who can't walk, those who can't um, taste, smell, you'll be able to on the other side. And chances are, while you'll notice and, and enjoy that, even those senses won't be as profound and overwhelmingly um, exciting to you as the senses that go beyond uh, what we are able to experience as mortals on this planet. Anyway, so thank you, Suzanne, for your question and your comments. Thank you also uh, to Mark for his comments and, and questions. Very profound things here. And I love it. If you would like to ask your own question to the rest of you um, or leave your own comment, you can do so by either emailing neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com or you can email me personally, chas, C-H-A-S, at ndepodcast.org. Or you can email John at john at ndepodcast.org. You can also support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash ndepodcast. And uh, that is where you can go to become an ongoing monthly contributor. Again, you can support the show also by purchasing my book, Life in the Spirit World, and links to both of those can be found on our website, neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. You can also get there by just typing in ndepodcast.org. And once again, thank you you guys so much for listening. (laughs) Thank you.